Hello, everyone. Welcome to my series on end times for dummies. And this is part four. And uh, I, I trust that you've been learning some things as we've been going through the book of Revelation. Again, uh, the purpose of this series and the reason I'm calling it uh, end times for dummies, not implying that anybody's a dummy, but simply um, uh, just wanting to take people who know little to nothing about the end times and give you all a working knowledge, okay, just a working knowledge of the end times. So that's why I'm doing this series. And again, this is part four. So um, uh, uh, I want to encourage you that if you've missed any of the first three parts, go back on Facebook or YouTube at Summit Church Fenton, uh, either on Facebook or YouTube, and you can catch up. And you really need to do that because it'll help you better understand the, the new material that we're covering. Also, I trust, you know, that we're going to cover today. So also, I hope you've been reading through the book of Revelation. And remember, there's a special blessing for reading it and for hearing it. So uh, uh, I trust you've been, been reading through the book of Revelation as we've gone along here. Um, so anyway, let's get in into today's uh, uh, session of course, remember um, three weeks ago when we started, or four weeks, whatever it is, ago when we started, uh, chapter one of the book of Revelation was an introduction, and then chapters two and three dealt with the church age, and there were seven churches of Revelation and all of that, and that uh, encompassed about a 2,000-year period of time from the time Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead to the present time, about 2,000 years has gone by. And uh, anyway, and then remember the church age culminated in uh, Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, with the uh, rapture of the church. And then we talked about uh, some heavenly scenes, uh, the throne of God, how beautiful that that is. Then we talked about the judgment seat of Christ. And then uh, last week, we, we introduced you to the... Uh, the seven seals that God the Father was holding in his, in his hand, and Jesus is the only one that's worthy to open those seals. And we uh, we looked at those last week. And so again, if you missed any of that, uh, please go back and, and you can catch up. But uh, remember, we talked about the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and the first seal was that white horse rider, which was the Antichrist. And uh, remember, we, we showed you last week that he can't even be released until the church is raptured. And uh, remember, he's going to come on the scene as a peacemaker initially. Uh, he's going to uh, uh, sign a peace agreement, which will bring uh, peace to the Middle East. And uh, really, uh, primarily, probably throughout much of the world, uh, the peace agreement will be a uh, treaty or whatever will be with Israel. Israel will be involved. And uh, anyway, you can see the last session for more on that. And then, of course, the second seal was the red horse, which was bringing forth war. Now, now we're talking about what's, what's going to happen during the seven-year tribulation period, okay? Uh, remember, the, the, the peace agreement that the Antichrist makes is for seven years, and that seven-year period is also known as the tribulation period. Now, remember, the church has already been raptured or caught up to heaven, at this time. So if you're born again and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and received him, then you would you would be in heaven before the Antichrist could even be released or any of these horses can be released. Okay, so so that'll be encouraging to you to remember that. Okay, but anyway, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, uh, we talked about that last time. We have the the those were the first uh four seals of the seven, the white horse being the, the counterfeit, you know. The Antichrist, you know, Jesus has a white horse too, but the Antichrist comes riding on on one or a, and again that's symbolic. He's not really going to come riding in on a white horse in, in my in my view, but it's symbolic that he's going to come as a counterfeit Christ and will be accepted as 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 the Messiah. We talked about that last time, and then the second seal, the red horse bringing war, the black horse. Then the third seal was famine. The fourth one was a pale horse, mentioned that last time. Those who were, you know, a martyr is someone who's put to death for a cause. And these are ones who have been put to death over the over the centuries of time and 
millennia of time for the, the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and that was the fifth seal. The sixth seal had to do with cosmic disturbances. And then, and then this is where we get to the really the new material for today. A little review is helpful though to bring you up to up to, to date. And the seventh seal is is a prelude to the seven trumpet judgments. Okay, the seven trumpet judgments, and um, and, and we're going to talk about these things today. Um, now remember, the seven seals happen throughout the seven year tribulation period. Okay. They happen throughout that seven years, okay? And, and, and then we'll see that, that with the seventh seal, there are seven trumpet judgments, okay? And then after that, seven bowl, sometimes they're called vials or bowls. We'll call them bowls, bowl judgments, where bowls are poured out, and um and, and these, uh, the, the seven seals take place during the entirety of the uh, seven-year tribulation period. Uh, the, the trumpets and the bowls of God's judgment, as far as my study of it, it seems as though those are taking place while the seven seals take place throughout the seven years. The seven trumpets of judgment, the seven bowls of judgment seem to be taking place more so during the last half of the tribulation period, okay? Um, the, the You know, seven years of tribulation, the first three and a half years are bad. Don't want to be on earth, all right? But the last half of the tribulation period is far worse than the first, okay? And now none of it's good, but the last half, it, it seems to be far worse than the first. It seems to me that these Trumpet judgments and these bowl judgments take place during the last half of the tribulation period. But I want you to know that uh, I'm not dogmatic about you know when these trumpets or or uh, uh, bowl judgments happen. I'm not I'm not dogmatic about you know you know uh, the events of uh, 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 of the, the Book of Revelation. You know some of the events are pretty pretty solid. You can tell exactly when. They're going to happen like the rapture of the church takes place, you know, uh, before the tribulation. Jesus comes back in the second coming at the end of the tribulation. I mean, I'm, I'm dogmatic about, about that. You know, the battle of Armageddon is at the end of the tribulation. We'll talk about the battle of Armageddon in a later session. So I'm dogmatic about certain events uh, of the book of Revelation. But other events, you know, different uh, 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 preachers argue it, it argues probably not a good word, but debate it or, or teach it, you know, that, that these trumpets or these bowls happen maybe at different times. But but from my study of it, it seems as though the seals take place during the seven years. OK, they're open during the seven years and so forth. The bowls and the uh, the trumpets rather and the bowls seem to me to take place during the last half. Uh, the thing that you need to really realize here is, see, the Bible says, and we talked about this earlier in an earlier session, God has not appointed us to wrath, okay? And that's why the rapture of the church is going to take place at the beginning of the tribulation so that we don't have to go through these horrible things, okay? So, so I mean, what's the reason God's going to be pouring out his wrath upon, upon the earth is because the earth has, has rejected him or neglected him. And, and neglected his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, you know. And that's why God is, is pouring out his, his wrath, okay? And his judgment, all right? But he's not appointed us to that. So if we're, if we received him and we love him and we, we serve him, then we're going to be taken out of here in the rapture before any of these horrible things happen. And I do want to say this before we get more into the seventh seal. I need to explain something to you about a panoramic view, a panoramic view. And, and, and this confuses a lot of people when they study the book of Revelation because they think that the book of Revelation is completely in chronological order. You know, that this event happens, then this event happens, and this event happens. And it confuses a lot of people. Now, now, some of the book of Revelation is in chronological order, but a lot of it isn't. It's in what is called a panoramic view, a panoramic view. In other words, you know, something will be going on over here. So then John writes about it. And then at the same time, there's another event going on over here. So then John writes about that. 
And then there's another event going on over here. And so John sees that and he writes about that. And then when he records them, then, you know, we think it's in chronological order that this event happens and then this event happens and then this event happens in that in that order. And, and it's the events are happening simultaneously at the same time. And uh, it's called panoramic view. And, and that confuses people a lot of times because they think everything in Revelation is, is chronological. Uh, some of it is, uh, you know, some of it is, but a lot of it isn't. It's panoramic view. And so just knowing that will, will, uh, will help you as, you as we as you read the book of Revelation, as we go through it. You know, you, you'll have like earthly scenes, you know, like John was on earth in chapter one, chapters two and three, earthly scenes, you know, the church age. But then we get to chapters four and five, the rapture of the church, and then we had heavenly scenes, okay? And, and so it, it's, it switches back and forth. So you need to understand that the book of Revelation is written in not just chronological view, but there's a lot of panoramic view going on, and, and that, that will help you. Okay, now, so uh, let, let's, let's talk about something else here. You've got these seven seals that the Lord Jesus is opening, and you've got those four horsemen of the apocalypse coming forth, the Antichrist arising, you know, and so forth and so on. So all that's going on, and, uh, at, you know, at the beginning of the tribulation and, and, and all of that. But you've got something else going on simultaneously. See, here's the panoramic view. You've got something else going on. While these four horsemen of the apocalypse are coming forth and while the Antichrist is arising as a peacemaker and making that peace agreement. And then you've got, you know, you've got some you've got bad events going on with these war and famine and all of that. You've got all that going on. But you've got something else going on and you have a ministry that's going on by 144,000 uh, Jewish evangelists. And uh, these are these are uh, the Bible says they're males. They're all they're all men, and and they're virgins. The Bible says, and they're 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 Jews, okay. And they're born again. They're believers on the Lord Jesus Christ, okay. And and this is is something that's going to take place now after the rapture of the church. After the church is in heaven, there's going to be well, everybody else on the on the earth at that point is lost. But there's good news. God's a good God. He has 144,000 Jewish evangelists reserved, okay? And he is going to send them out. God's going to send them out, and they are going to sweep the globe with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And multitudes, I mean, vast multitudes of people are going to be getting saved after the rapture of the church. And uh, during the the, the, the the tribulation period, see, a lot of people don't know that. And uh, uh, a, a, but God's a good God. And even after the rapture takes place, tribulations going on, God is still interested in people. He's still interested in souls. He's a merciful God. He's a good God. And uh, there's going to be a mass revival, uh, if you will, take place on the earth, and and people. I'm convinced people who have heard people like me teaching about the rapture and sharing about the Lord Jesus Christ, and, you know, they didn't have time for the Lord. They they thought, you know, the rapture was just a bunch of hooey and all of that, you know, and all of a sudden, poof, we're all going to be gone. They're going to say, wow, you know, you know, they they were right about the rapture. They're right about the Bible. And, and then these evangelists are going to come sweeping through preaching the gospel, you know, uh, you know, how are they going to do it? I don't know. May well be using television. People probably be watching them, you know, on cell phones. I, I don't know. But God's going to be sweeping the globe with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ after the rapture, during the tribulation period. And it's going to be a fantastic time. You know, uh, there's some different uh, people have said, you know, they sense that there's a, a, a great revival coming and so on and so forth. and and. Uh, um, you know, well, well, there is a great revival coming. Now, I don't know if it's going to happen before the rapture of the church, but the Bible is clear there's going to be one that is for sure going to take place after the rapture of the church, and it's going to be under the ministry of the 144,000 Jewish evangelists. 
And, you know, God always keeps a voice in the earth. And right now, his voice is the church, born-again believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. But after we born-again believers are raptured and caught up to heaven, then, then God's voice will be the 144,000 Jewish evangelists, all right? And we'll see they, they minister primarily during the first half of the tribulation period. We'll see this in a moment. Then they're going to get raptured. <laughs> Glory to God. And then God has two witnesses that are going to be ministering during the last half of the tribulation period. We'll get to all that in a future session. Hey, let's look. Just, I get excited when I think about these 144,000 Jewish evangelists. You know, people have asked me, well, where are they right now? Where, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, where are they? I don't know, but God knows. And it, it's, it, it, he's got them reserved. And uh, uh, I'm excited about their ministry. Let's look at Revelation ch uh, chapter 7, verse 1, just to give you some scripture on this, these 144,000. They come from the 12 tribes of Israel and all of that. I won't get into all of that, but Revelation chapter 7, verse 1. After these things I saw, this is Revelation 7, verse 1. John sees four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth. So that has to do holding back, back judgment at this point uh, for a reason here. Watch this. That the wind should not blow on the earth or on the sea or on any tree. And again, these winds here, it's not talking about wind like we experience it, but it has to do symbolic here, winds of judgment. But anyway, I won't, don't want to get into that too much. Just holding back winds of judgment because judgment's going to, you know, come through in those four horsemen of the apocalypse and all of that. But before they really get going, those four horsemen of the apocalypse and all, all of that. Verse two, then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, do not harm the earth, the sea or the trees until we've sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. And these are the 144,000 uh, evangelists. You know, an evangelist is one who spreads the gospel. And they're going, and you can read more in Revelation 7 to get more on them if you want. But uh, they're going to, as I said, come forth as, as, as evangelists, and they're going to sweep the globe with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, their ministry is going to be primarily during the first half of the tribulation period. And uh, uh, worldwide revival, multitudes saved. And, you know, Jesus said, he said, this gospel of the kingdom uh, will be preached in all the earth before the end come. And see, a lot of times people think that it's, it's the church only that's going to carry that preaching the gospel to the entire globe out before the end come. But I think the church is playing obviously a massive, great role in that. But it's it's very possible that the church, and it's clear to me, the church is not going to be the, the, the ones who bring the entirety of the gospel to the entirety of the globe. But the church will do its part. And then once the rapture takes place, then these 144,000 evangelists I believe there's, well, without question, they will sweep the globe. The gospel will go into all the earth. Everyone will have an opportunity to hear the, the, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and then the end will come, okay? So anyway, now I've got some more good news here. You know how we talk about the rapture of the church? Well, praise God for that. But there's going to be another rapture take place. As I studied the scripture and study the book of Revelation, there's going to be another rapture takes place that takes place, and it's going to be about the middle of the tribulation. And you know who who it's going to be that goes in this rapture. Remember, rapture means to be caught up to heaven. You know, and we talked about that in one of the earlier sessions. But do you know who's going to go in this rapture? It's I call it, it's called the mid tribulation rapture. It's going to be all the people that got saved under the ministry of this 144,000 Jewish evangelists. And you see, the tribulation, like I said, the whole thing is bad, the whole seven years. But the last half of the tribulation is far worse than the first half. And God is going to get all of these people that got saved 
during the first half of the tribulation out of here before the, the really terrible, nasty stuff starts taking place during the last half of the tribulation. You see God's goodness in that. And um, I, I, I call it the second bus load, if you will. You know, you want to get on the first bus to heaven. That's the rapture of the church. But if you miss that, uh, you're going to have to go through the first half of the tribulation. going to be a bad thing. Uh, but but you can get saved during the first half of the tribulation. And we'll see as we go along, you can even get saved during the last half. And many people will get saved during the last half. Uh, we'll talk about that in a future session. But uh, you can get saved during the first half and catch this second bus, <laughs> if you will. Uh, you know, you have to go through the first half of the tribulation. But sure, it does beat going to hell. Praise God. So anyway, there there is a second bus load going out, but I'd encourage you, don't wait for that. Get saved now and go out on the first bus and you won't have to deal with the Antichrist or any, any of the tribulation at all. But look at Revelation 7, verse 9. I want to give you some scripture for this. After these things I looked, and behold, now watch this, Revelation 7, verse 9, and behold, a great multitude, John sees a great multitude, which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palm branches in their hands. That's interesting. They've got those white robes. See, that's the gown of salvation. That's a free gift that you get when you get born again. So they got born again. They're standing before the, notice they're in heaven, standing before the throne of the Lamb, before the throne of God. And John wants to know, he says, he says, I, I saw this great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, people's tongues, standing before the throne, before the lamb, clothed with those white robes. They got the gown of salvation. They got saved. And then they have palm branches in their hands. People have asked me, well, what is the significance on that? And just simply put, uh, they didn't have crowns. See, we live in a time where we can get that gown of salvation and we can earn crowns. But after the rapture of the church takes place, these people will be able during that first half of the tribulation, they'll be able to get saved. But from my study of it, it doesn't look like they're going to be able to win any crowns, uh, just palm, uh, palm branches. Now, there's other things we could say about those palm branches, but I tell you what, uh, they may not have the crowns. But like I said a moment ago, it sure does beat going to hell. You know, I'd rather be in heaven with a palm branch than in hell with a crown. I'll tell you that. So, so anyway, but they've got those white robes and, and, and that was their entrance to heaven. That's free gift through faith in Jesus. Now look at verse 10 and crying with a loud voice. So these people were before the throne. They were crying out with a loud voice before the throne of God saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. All the angels stood around the throne and elder, the elders, the four living creatures fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. Think about that. They got saved during the tribulation. And and from my study of it, this group here got saved during the first three and a half years of the tribulation. They came out of great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Praise God, they got that white gown of salvation. Glory to God, got to go to heaven in that, that what I call the second busload, the mid-tribulation rapture. Therefore, Verse 15, they're before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall, now watch this, verse 16. They shall neither hunger anymore, thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. So what this is telling us is that, you know, uh, yes, they do get to go to heaven and that's the good news, but they did have to go through the first half of the tribulation period. and. So they experienced some hunger. They experienced some thirst. Uh, the sun striking them nor the heat doesn't have to do with like us going out, you know, to the beach on Sunday and, and getting some sun. This this has to do with with 
problems and trouble, troubles that they had to go through during the first half of the tribulation. But they missed hell, made heaven. I want to make it clear, and we'll talk about this as we go. You can get saved during the last half of the tribulation. We'll see that as we go. But those people are going to have to go through some things far, far worse than hunger or thirst or the sun striking them or heat, these kinds of things. We'll see that as we go. Verse 17, for the lamb who sits in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to, to living fountains of waters and God will wipe away all tears from their eyes. So see, there were some tears, some suffering they had to go through during the first half of, of the tribulation, but they uh, got saved. Now, we talked about that 144,000 Jewish evangelists. So apparently, along about the mid-tribulation, after their ministry is complete, they've, they've, they've swept the globe, you know, uh, with the gospel, you know, primarily got, got to the entirety of the globe. And there is a ministry of the two witnesses, which we'll talk about uh, as we go. They'll, they'll pick up where these 144,000 left off. But they finished their work, these 144,000, this mass multitude of people that you just couldn't number. Just, they've been raptured to heaven, 144,000. Their ministry is complete on the earth. Things are getting ready to really get bad on the earth. This is about mid-tribulation here. and now. God catches these 144,000 up to heaven. And this is found in Revelation 14. Let's read starting with verse one. Then I looked, John looked and behold the lamb standing in Mount Zion and with him 144,000 having the father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the voice of many waters, like the voice of loud thunder. And I heard the sound of the harpists playing their harps. And they sang as it were a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. These are the ones who were not defiled with women for they are virgins. These are the ones who follow the lamb wherever he goes. These were redeemed from among men being first fruits to God and, and to the lamb. And in their mouth was found no deceit, for they are without fault now, says, before the throne of God. So they're caught up to heaven in a rapture also. Interesting, isn't it? Very interesting. And what I see in all of this is that God is a good God, sending these, these 144,000 out into all the earth to, 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 get, to get people saved. We'll see in a later session that right, at, right near the end, God even sends an angel out preach the gospel. That's how good he is. That's, that's how much he wants people to get saved and miss hell and make heaven. And so we'll, we'll talk about that as we go along. Um, but uh, let's get back to the seventh seal now. Let's get back to the seventh seal, which, uh, um, which I think will be, remember the seven seals go out through the, through the whole of the tribulation, but this seventh seal I think I think from my studies, probably going to be opened around the middle of the tribulation. And uh, if you look at Revelation chapter eight, verse one, it says when Jesus, when he, Jesus opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half hour. Now, why? Why is that? I mentioned it last time. I want to mention it again. Heaven is a is an exciting place it, there. I mean, it, they're worshiping God up there. And it's I mean, it's it's. You know, there it's it's loud. I mean, it's it's it's. I tell you what, it's a fantastic place to go, and and uh, wonderful. And but but think about in a place like that, silence for a half hour. I mean, completely silent. Well, it's because of what's about to happen upon the earth. The uh, trumpet judgments are about to blow. The bowls of God's wrath are about to be poured out. And it's such a terrible, awesome sight that I believe it causes heaven to become silent in just amazement of a hush of, oh, my goodness, look at what's going to happen upon the earth. And I believe it will cause a, a hush. People will be speechless to see it. You and I will be there to see it. And we won't be talking or you know doing anything for that half hour except 
you know, it'd be silence. Awesome, an awesome thing. The wrath of God's about to be poured out on the earth. Now, it's not because he's a bad God, he's a good God. But when people reject God and reject him and reject him and reject him, there's the goodness of God, but then there's also the severity of God. In this seven-year period of time, is, is God has reserved it for his judgment upon those on the earth that reject him. And, um, and, and it's, it'll be a, a terrible thing. It's, it's not cause God's bad. He's good. And, and, and a lot of times it takes judgment to get people to repent and turn. And we saw that already in the, in these first minutes of uh, the session here, you know, God's judgment started getting pouring out on the earth during the first uh, half of the tribulation and judgments all around. You got the gospel sweeping through with the 144,000 evangelists and, 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 and people get saved. And, uh, and and so when you see God's judgment, I mean, his motive in it, we've been covering this in our uh, Sunday sessions, is to get people to repent, okay? So anyway, notice here, uh, Revelation chapter 8, verse 2, and I saw the seven angels who stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. So we have the seven seals. Now, this seventh seal gives way to this these seven trumpets and these angels. They're angels of judgment. Okay, and uh, they're going to come forth in verse six. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. And so uh, you're going to have seven trumpet blasts. And with each blast, there's going to be a judgment. And then after that, there's going to be seven bowls. And, and, and with each bowl that's poured out on the earth, there's judgment. Now, I'm not going to go through each and every one of them and read scripture for all of them. But just some of them, I just want to summarize them for you, just to kind of give you a working knowledge, okay? And I'm going to go ahead and take the rest of the time to look at these, and, and then we'll not mention them uh, anymore in this this series, except maybe allude to them uh, in passing. But uh, listen to this. The first trumpet, the vegetation of the earth is going to be struck. Affect this, It'll affect the food supply. The second trumpet, the seas will be struck. The third trumpet, the waters will be struck. And so there'll be a shortage of water, drinking water, and, and water to clean oneself with, and so forth. The fourth trumpet, the atmosphere will be struck around the earth. The fifth trumpet, locusts are going to be released from the bottomless pit. And they're demonic in nature, obviously. The bottomless pit, the lowest part of hell. Um, Locusts, they're, they're not natural locusts like we would see. <clears throat> they're demonic. They're demonic. They're spirit beings. They're demonic. And, uh, you know, I, I've been asked about, about this over the years as I've taught this. And God didn't create them that way. You know, God didn't create the devil as a devil. God created him as Lucifer one of the most beautiful angels. Uh, he was called the anointed cherub who covers. He was given uh, responsibility over the worship department of heaven. And until iniquity was found in him, and he was lifted up in pride, and he, Lucifer, chose to walk away from God and led a rebellion against God. And, uh, and, and he became twisted at that point. And became Satan, the devil. And I believe that, you know, even as he was created as a beautiful angel by God, and then he became twisted, so the fallen angels that went with him and, and all of that, I believe when they rebelled against God, they became twisted. And so what we see today, you know, is not how God, or what we see in the book of Revelation is not how God created them. I mean, you look at the animal kingdom and study into that. And, you know, the animal kingdom doesn't operate now, primarily the way God created it initially, you know. And we'll see during, as we get on in this series, uh, we'll look at the uh, uh, millennium and you'll see the animal kingdom is back like God had originally created it. And you think about mankind, you know, and the fallen state we're in and how, how, it, it, when Adam sinned and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, how we became twisted, if you will. And it took Jesus coming and dying on the cross for us to get us back straight, untwisted and straightened up. 
But these, the reason I bring this out is I don't want you to think that God created these demonic forces in the state we see them here. I believe it's, it's very clear they weren't created this way, but they, of their own doing, walked away from God and became twisted. And uh, God's reserved them uh, and will release them in judgment on those who reject him, okay, on those who reject the Lord. Now, having said that, the fifth trumpet will see these demonic locust-like beings come forth from the bottomless pit, and, and you can read about those. But I'll read some here about the sixth, the sixth trumpet, Revelation 9, verse 13. Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. Now, that's up in heaven. You see how the scenes are switching? Heaven, earth, heaven, earth, panoramic view. Verse 14, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So apparently in the spirit realm where the river Euphrates is, there's apparently a a holding prison for these four angels. You know, the Bible talks about a place that's down under hell. The Greek word is Tartarus, where there's fallen angels held there. Apparently, apparently, this is some sort of a holding, when I say holding tank or holding prison for these, these, these angels. And these are, these are fallen angels because they're bound and they've been bound for however long they've been there. And uh, uh, since that uh, uprising that Lucifer uh, uh, you know, did with, uh, uh, you know, tried to come against God and take over his throne and a third of the angels followed him and that's when I believe they became twisted. And, and these four here are bound in a prison uh, un, under the river Euphrates. And he says, uh, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared, and notice God didn't prepare them as these twisted fallen beings. This has, has to do with that these four angels have been there reserved for this hour of judgment for those who reject the Lord. So notice they've been reserved for or prepared for the hour and day, month and a year were released. Now notice why they were, why they were released to kill a third of mankind. And you think about that. I mean, uh, think about all the death that is going on around us now with this coronavirus. Okay. But you think about during this tribulation period and pr- primarily during the last half of it, a third a third of the earth's population gone. Think about that. Think about it. Now look at verse 16 and think about how many of them die without Christ. Now thank God for the ones that got saved under the ministry of the 144,000 evangelists, but and there'll be two witnesses ministering. We'll talk about those, but think about all the people that die and they die with their reject, heart rejecting the Lord and they go to hell. But a third of mankind, think about that. Think about the death. Verse 16, now the number of the army, the horsemen, was 200 million. Now these are, these are demonic hordes that are coming forth. And I heard the number of them and the horses and the vision, those who sat on them had, had breastplates of red and blue and yellow and the heads of the horses were like, Heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. Think about that. So you've got these angels being released and demonic hordes coming forth. Think about that. Verse 18, again, a third of mankind's killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and their tails, and their tails are like serpents having heads, and with them they do harm, bad stuff. But now here's what I want you to really look at. Verse 20, but the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues, now this is in all the Bible, this has always astounded me. It says the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders, 
Are there sorceries? Are there sexual immorality? Are there thefts? Shocking to me, shocking to me that you can have the judgment of God falling all around. God just wants repentance and people continue to turn their heart against God and refuse to repent. Now, many repent, as we've, as we've seen under the ministry of the 144,000 evangelists, but so many do not. So many do not. And frankly, I think more do not repent than do, because Jesus said that, you know, that, that narrow is the way that leads to life, broad is the way that leads to, to hell, and many more go in to hell than go in to heaven. But think about that. People refuse to repent. At the judgment of God, falling all around, they refuse to repent. And then we have the seventh, the seventh trumpet. The kingdom of God is proclaimed and proclaimed and gives way to the seven bold judgments. Let me read a little bit about these bold judgments before I close here. Revelation 15, verse 1. Then I saw another angel in heaven. So we had the seven trumpets, all bad stuff. Now we've got the bold judgments. Revelation 15, 1, then I saw another sign in heaven, great, marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. In Revelation chapter 16, verse 1, then I heard a loud voice from, from the temple saying to the seven angels, go and pour out the bowls of wrath of God on the earth. Now let's go through these bowls very quickly. The first bowl, people are struck with loathsome sores or on their bodies. Think of that. The sea turns to blood, the second bowl. The third bowl, waters turn to blood. Again, the water supply is struck. The fourth bowl, verse chat, Revelation 16, verses 8 and 9. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given him to scorch men with fire. Think about that. Power was given him to scorch men with fire, and men were scorched with great heat. And you'd think they repent, but listen to this. And they blaspheme the name of God who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. Isn't that, in, that, that just, they did not repent and give him glory. That's just hard for me to fathom. They did not, with all this happening, all these terrible things happening, they did not repent and give him glory. And that's all God wanted. And then the fifth bowl in Revelation 16, verse 10, then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast. We'll talk about the beast. The Antichrist becomes the beast. Talk about him probably next week. And his kingdom became full of darkness and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. Think about that. Verse 11, they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and did not repent of their deeds. Do you see that again and again? They did not repent. They did not repent. Judgment of God falling all around. They did not repent. All God wanted them to do is repent. And then the sixth bowl, the Euphrates is dried up and makes way for the Battle of Armageddon. We'll get to that as we go. And then you see the, the seventh bowl. Uh, I was going to read that, but you, you, can, you can, can read that. It's Revelation 16, starting with verse 17 down to verse 21. I'd recommend you read that, but more of the same. And again, with all this going on, I want to close by saying this. All these things going on during the what I think is the last part of the tribulation period, people still not repenting. And I just, it, it, it breaks my heart. And I want to close by saying this. Right now in this country, and frankly all around the world, we have this coronavirus. And uh, I do not personally believe that this coronavirus is the, the judgment of God. Now, some argue that it is, okay? I, I don't think that it is. Uh, but I believe God can use it as an occasion to get people's attention. And I just want to talk about the United States here for a moment as, as I close. I believe that this coronavirus is happening as terrible as it is, as horrible as it is, is an occasion to get all of our, everybody's attention. 
to make us think about our lives and as a nation to think just just about what, what we're doing as a nation. This nation, by and large, has kicked God out of the public school and public square. This nation has legalized abortion and millions upon millions upon millions of babies have been slaughtered in their mother's wombs. And not too long ago, the same-sex marriage was enacted, violating God's law of marriage in this nation. Sports, a God has been made out of sports. I'm not against sports. I enjoy sports. But this nation, by and large, is far more excited about a sports event than going to church on Sunday morning. And now sports events are being carried out by Christians on Sunday mornings when they ought to be going to church. And I could go on and on and on. This nation, by and large, has turned away from the Lord. And I believe that God is using this coronavirus thing as an occasion to get us to repent. You know, in 2001, uh, on 9-11, that terrible thing that happened, and I'm not saying God caused that either, but what I am saying is God, I believe, wanted to use that as an occasion to get the nation to repent. And the nation as a whole repented for a, about a week, and I wouldn't even call it repentance. It just was just just a very brief, momentary thing, and then the nation went right back to the way that it was. And now about, what, 19 years has come and gone, and I believe that we've been given another opportunity to repent as a nation. Welcome God back into the public square and the public school. Stop abortion and recognize God's law of marriage is the only law between a man and a woman as a husband and a wife. Enjoy sports, but Jesus is is more important than sports. And honor God and the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit and his house and his work far more than one would do sports. These things, ladies and gentlemen, need to be straightened up in this nation. Now, I'm concerned that this nation is going to go back to business as usual, like it did 19 years ago after 9-11, without repentance, just as it did then. That's a big concern that I have. Listen to me very carefully, please. I'm very concerned that, that this nation is going to go back to business as usual. And I'm ready to get back to business as usual. I, I, I don't like this social distancing, but I'm concerned that this nation is going to go back to business as usual without repentance. See, repentance is what needs to be preached from the pulpits of America or from these, these television screens or these Facebook screens or YouTube screens or this virtual, virtual, these virtual services. Repentance is what needs to be coming forth. This is not a time for the minister of the gospel to be preaching rainbow, sunshine, and lollipops. But every minister in this nation needs to be crying out to the nation to repent. There needs to be repentance in the churches. And certainly in the nation at large. And I'm concerned that this nation is going to go back to business as usual without repentance. Did it 19 years ago and looks like got away with it. I'm going to close by saying this, and I know this is hard and I know it sounds rough, but it's what the Holy Ghost is saying. I believe if this nation, and God loves this nation, this nation started out as a Christian nation, but over the last many, many years, it is, it is by and large turned away from God. 
And God has given us every opportunity to repent. But I believe if this nation goes back to business as usual, without repentance, it does so at its own peril. Let's pray. Father, I pray for this nation. I pull down and continue to pull down the spiritual blindness that sits upon it. I pull it down in Jesus' name, and I ask that you would continue to send perfect laborers out into the harvest to win the lost to Christ. Heavenly Father, I pray that over the airwaves of this nation, over television, over Facebook, over YouTube, over over radio, over every media outlet, that the, 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 the preacher's mouth would be filled with a message of repentance, showing forth the goodness and the love of God, but that he wants this nation to repent. And so I ask that, that the message of repentance would be proclaimed in the land, a turning away from sin and a turning to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Well, thanks for listening today. Thanks for being here today. I'm going to next week. Hey, next week, we're going to pick up with the Antichrist where he becomes the beast. And we'll see where he breaks that peace agreement with Israel. We'll we'll, uh, talk about the false prophet, the mark of the beast. And we'll look at the ministry of the two witnesses. And we'll just see how far we get. But hey, thanks for listening. And we'll see you Sunday. God bless you. Bye-bye.